welcome to the 19th episode of the Building Spiritual Capacity podcast, where we are building immovable disciples through prayer, study, and action. In the last episode, we looked at the Special Operations Forces Truth, which was Special Operations Forces cannot be created after emergencies occur. And we looked at Moses as he got ready to lead the children of Israel across the Red Sea, how God built him and developed him and helped him to uh, be ready when the emergency occurred of the uh, Israel or of the Egyptian armies chasing after the Israelites to the Red Sea. In this episode, we're going to look at the final special operations forces truth, which is that most special operations require non-SOF assistance. SOF, of course, being the acronym for special operations forces. Just like any operation in the military, the, the main effort or the lead element has to have support from people that are not, uh, that are not special operations forces uh, troops. Uh, you, you have people that are subject matter experts in logistics or communication or other uh, areas, and uh, you need to help the, the person that is the main effort that is trying to complete the mission. mission. And in this case with Moses, he also has to deal with, with some very difficult missions. And if we're looking at him as the special operator, he's the main focus of the, of the mission, he had people to help him all along the way. And we're going to highlight a few of those uh, people. In particular, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 17 and 18 and see how some people helped Moses with his, uh, with, with his missions. But we're also going to uh, delve into a couple other chapters as well, just a few other references, so we can see uh, a variety of people that helped Moses accomplish the things that God needed him to accomplish. As always, we want to start off with our context. And we talked a lot about Moses last week, so we in the last episode, so we won't get into uh, many details about who he was, just uh, understanding that he was the individual who God called to lead the children of Israel out of bondage from Egypt. Uh, they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, and the armies of Israel, were, or armies of the, Egypt, of the Egyptians were drowned behind them. Now, at this point, we're immediately, we're picking up the story immediately following their deliverance from the Red Sea uh, or from the Egyptians uh, through the, that miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. And, you know, understand that they just left their homes. They just left their, their livelihood. Now they're in the wilderness and they uh, amazingly had seen all of these uh, miracles that uh, Moses had done for them to help them and that God had done for them, I should say, through the instrument of Moses and and, uh, and his brother Aaron as they confronted uh, Pharaoh with these different challenges. They'd seen miracles happen. They'd seen uh, interesting things, uh, God intervening on their behalf to include walking on the Red Sea on dry ground, and yet they get to the other side and they immediately start to, to complain. Now, uh, they're complaining about important things. Uh, they're, they're hungry. They're, where are they going to get their food? They brought their wives and their children and their cattle and all of these things out into the wilderness, and now they're just going to die because they're hungry. What do they do? How, how could Moses have led them in this direction and not uh, provided for them? 
we see uh, immediately following the Exodus, God provides for them manna, uh, which uh, was a edible substance that they could just walk out of their um, of their tents or wherever they were living in in the morning and pick up manna enough for that day only, and then eat the manna, uh, and and that's what they started off with in terms of being able to to feed themselves. In the next chapter, where we're where we're starting is Exodus chapter seventeen. We see that the children of Israel again begin to complain that they're thirsty and where are they going to get water? And they uh, again begin to murmur. So Moses cries unto the Lord asking for guidance, saying that the people are complaining against him. They're, they're upset with him. What is he going to do or what are they all going to do for food? Uh, and, uh, he, and so he's asking God for some relief there. Now, God then provides for them water. He tells Moses to go to a rock and to take his staff, the staff that Moses used, the staff of the Lord, um, this uh, this instrument that this powerful instrument that he used to uh, do all sorts of miracles to part the Red Sea, uh, and now he's God tells him to go to a rock and to strike the rock with the with the staff, and uh, and then water will, will will come forth. And sure enough, again a miracle occurs. Now we're gonna we're not going to get into it, but if you're interested. Uh, Jesus is often referred to as the, the rock of our uh, redemption, a rock of our salvation. And the fact that Moses takes a wooden stick and, uh, and strikes the rock and water comes forth, that is life-saving water, some have drawn, um, uh, you know, kind of a foreshadowing that they, they've drawn a connection between that and Jesus being crucified on a, on a piece of wood and that he was beaten and uh, and and injured and and struck and and as a result of his punishment there he um, uh, he provides for us the living water of eternal salvation. Again, we that's that's a brief discussion about it, but just something interesting in this chapter that's kind of on the uh, on a side note. Now, um, r- shortly after this. Uh, Shortly after this, the children of Israel continue to, to travel. They're walking around, and they're attacked by the Amalekites. And the Amalekites, uh, not in this chapter, it doesn't mention, but in Deuteronomy, God refers back to this incident with the Amalekites, where the Amalekites kind of attack from the, from the rear, and they attack the most feeble and faint and weary of the Israelites. And, and God gets really angry about this, that they would choose to uh, attack the weakest part of the Israelite uh, formation, if you will. And uh, so God tells Moses to go ahead and fight these Amalekites and to, and to wipe their memory from the history books, essentially. Uh, so in order to, however, c- accomplish this uh, success in the military victory, Moses relies on uh, many people, but we're going to highlight three in this particular battle. So in this chapter, God gives Moses the mission of defeating the Amalekites. And as with all special operators, in this case an elite spiritual performer like Moses, in order to accomplish this this mission, he needs help. Uh, He turns to Joshua. Uh, Joshua 
being a loyal friend to Moses. Uh, and we'll see later on as, uh, as things progress. Now, we talked about in the podcast, we talked about Joshua a few weeks ago uh, and how he had integ- the integrity and the courage to, uh, to give Moses a, a, a good report about the, the land of Canaan and, and, and an accurate report. Uh, despite others around him, you know, wanting to lie because they were afraid of of the people in the land. So Joshua is a, a, a great person. And this, of course, this is one of the first instances where we hear him referred to. Joshua, Moses commands Joshua or appoints Joshua as the leader of the Israelite armies and tells him to gather people together and take them uh, take them down so that they can they can contend with the Amalekites who have um, who have attacked the feet the weak and the and the feeble of the of the Israelites so uh, Moses says I want you to go down and lead the attack and he said I'm going to go up here on this rock I'm going to go up here on this mountain and I'm going to uh, be watching from there he said I'm going to raise up the staff of God uh, up on top of this hill and and oversee the battle Joshua does as he's directed. Uh, he, again, he's a loyal friend and a, and a loyal follower of, of Moses and a great leader in Israel. And, of course, we'll see later on that he takes over for Moses as the leader of the children of Israel. Uh, and this is an important preparation for him for that. Joshua leads the, the battle. Uh, and Moses goes, does indeed go on top of the hill. And he raises his arms in the sky with the staff, and the, with the staff of God. When Moses is able to keep the staff above his head and his arms raised, the children of Israel, will they're winning the battle. They continue to win the battle. But when he lowers his hands and the staff is lowered, Israel begins to lose the battle. And so those around Moses recognizes that, recognize this, this trend. And uh, so it all kind of, the, the victory hinges on Moses being able to keep his hands up and keep the staff of God raised. Uh, so they bring him over a stone where he can sit down as uh, one thing that they do to help him to, to have the energy. And then we see two more people help him. First is, is Aaron. Now keep in mind that Aaron, of course, was Moses' brother and really his partner in helping Moses communicate to the Pharaoh. Moses complained, as we talked about last week in the podcast, Moses complained that he was slow of speech and that uh, he, he didn't figure that he would be very convincing to the Pharaoh because of his uh, inability to speak well. And God said, I will provide for you a spokesperson, and that spokesperson will be your brother, your older brother, Aaron. Aaron uh, continues to remain loyal to Moses in this particular instance, and he gets on one side of Moses and holds up Moses' arm on one side. The other person that Moses relies on for help in this instance, the the non-special operator, if you will, is a person named Hur. Now, H-U-R is how that's spelled. Now, it's interesting because uh, there there really isn't aren't any other references to Hur. Um, we don't see who he was. We don't. See, a lot of times when you are introduced to somebody. In the Bible, they, they talk at least a little bit about their gene, genealogy. Uh, her was the son of so-and-so or her. But we really don't see anything other than 
his name here in this instance. So uh, Aaron and her stayed up his hands. This is verse 12 of Exodus chapter 17. They stayed up his hands, or they raised up his hand, the one on one side and, and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. At that point, Joshua discomfited or defeated or weakened and disabled the Amalekites and his people with the edge of the sword. And in so doing this, mo uh, receiving this help, Joshua leading the fight, and then Aaron and her helping Moses to keep his hands up, which, which I assume was somewhat of a struggle. I mean, I, I, I'm just trying to picture myself holding my arms out in the military. We sometimes, for uh, corrective training, when you're in basic training, they tell you to hold your arms out and, and just keep them out to your, straight out to your side and then maybe do, they call them cherry pickers, where, you're, where you take uh, your fingers and your thumb and you and you're, uh, make a motion like you're picking cherries from a cherry tree and your arms are straight out to your side uh, held up and you can only do that for a few minutes in my in my opinion sometimes um, or in my experience sometimes uh, sometimes you're holding your weapon out there in the military and uh, you're trying to hold it up while you hold your arms up and hold your weapon up and your arms will get tired so uh, even uh, we can see why Moses would would be getting tired but but to have Aaron and her help him that that was also probably tiring for them uh, it was probably a struggle for them but they did it long enough to where Joshua was able to defeat the Amalekites so again the whole purpose of this is to show that Moses needed help uh, when we're doing our operations in the military or we're doing our own personal operations the missions that God has given us he will provide us with people who can help us they may not be the main effort, but they can help support us and strengthen us uh, so that we can accomplish, again, the missions that God has laid out for us. Before we get to chapter 18 of Exodus and talk about two more helpers of Moses, I wanted to talk a little bit about Miriam, his sister, who also helped Moses to be in the position that God needed him to be. And I want to start back towards the beginning of Exodus, where Moses' mother, in order to try to save him from being killed, because the Pharaoh had decreed that all Israelite male children should be killed, put Moses in a raft, a small little raft, and sent him down, uh, sent him down the river. Uh, when she did that, the little raft was picked up by the Pharaoh's daughter. And Miriam, whether her mom told her to or she just did it on her own, we don't really, we can't really see from the, from the scriptures, but, uh, but she, it, nevertheless, she followed the raft and she saw that the Pharaoh's daughter picked up the raft and had enough courage to approach the Pharaoh's daughter, I, you know, I don't think this is a, a simple little thing. You, do, you probably just don't walk up to the royal, royal uh, families, to the royal family and, and speak to them. I, I don't imagine that that happens very often in any type of situation, but Miriam had enough uh, courage and strength to, and, and, and enough love for Moses, her, her little brother, and 
and perhaps her mom, seeing how hard probably it was for her mom to put Moses in the river and send him, send him down, downstream. Miriam followed Moses, uh, and she convinced the Pharaoh's daughter to allow Pharaoh's uh, to allow Moses's mother to be the midwife, if you will, or the nursing, uh, the nursing person for. Uh, for Moses here in this instance. So Miriam had a lot of strength and courage, and she really helped to save Moses and put him, and put him in that position and also to help her mom to have that connection with Moses as well. So I want to give credit to her. In addition, following the Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 16 is, uh, is, a, is a song that's being sung by the children of Israel, praising God, praising uh, God for all that he's done to help them so, uh, excuse me, this is uh, Exodus chapter 15. Uh, they're praising God uh, for delivering them from the Egyptians. As they're singing this long song, uh, at a certain point, Miriam also leads some of the women playing instruments and singing praises to God. So I want to highlight her just again, um, her role. In, we, we also see her later kind of being someone who, uh, who did a little bit of complaining, but uh, we're all human. We all complain. In fact, uh, during the, the process of the Israelites going from their deliverance from Egypt uh, and then kind of traveling in the wilderness until they get to the land of, of Canaan, we see that about 22 times they complain to Moses. Uh, that that was, uh, I'm sure, a challenge. I'm, again, I'm picturing uh, all the car rides you've taken as a kid and, and kids asking, are we there yet? And I'm hungry and I have to use the bathroom and all the complaints. And Moses has to deal with all of these things. And this actually will come into play here in the next chapter also. But let's, ha- let's just focus for a second here on Miriam and, and the great things that she did to help further God's mission, to help the main effort Moses accomplish the things that God needed Moses to accomplish. In Exodus chapter 18, we see two other people who helped Moses accomplish the missions that he needed to accomplish for God. After Moses, uh, again, just as a reminder, a little bit of context, after Moses killed um, an Egyptian following being raised in the Pharaoh's court and, and by the Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, Moses had an interaction where he was defending a fellow Israelite who was being persecuted and, and attacked by an Egyptian um, supervisor. Moses intervenes and in the process the, uh, the Egyptian is killed. Moses goes into exile and he goes into the land of Midian. There he meets Jethro and Jethro's attractive daughter, Zipporah, and he ends up marrying Zipporah. Um, So uh, following the marriage, then, of course, Moses is working for Jethro as a shepherd. That's when he encounters the burning bush and is given his uh, mission orders to go back to Egypt and deliver the children of Israel from the Egyptians. He leaves Zipporah with her father, as he goes off to do this this mission. And now, in Exodus chapter 18, they are reunited happily. Uh, I guess Moses is redeployed, if you will, and he uh, uh, is meeting up with his, uh, his wife and his father-in-law. Uh, 
wanted to highlight Zipporah here a little bit. Uh, we don't know a lot about her. There's just a few references, uh, her name and a couple little references in, in here in the Old Testament about her. And uh, and yet we can make some inferences and, and put into context what her relationship is. You, you know, as we meet our spouses uh, as as soldiers, and then we go and off and we deploy um, and we're away from them, then they take on all of the responsibility uh, to raise the children and to take care of uh, the things back at home. So just a real quick highlight as, as we've tried to um, and intended for this for this podcast to be related to building spiritual capacity, but also kind of in the field of, of the military in my current context in my job. Um, but uh, so, so I want to highlight the, the, uh, the mothers and, and the family members who, uh, mothers, fathers, or whoever it is, the family members who stay behind while their, uh, while their soldier, their operator goes off to, to fulfill the mission that they've been asked to fulfill. Um, and in this case, the same thing happens. Zipporah was that person who was taking care of Moses' two sons uh, back with her father in Midian as Moses was off doing, doing what he needed to do. And, uh, of course, there was no cell phones back then. There were no Skype. There was no FaceTime or social media apps to connect with each other. There was simply, I hope he's going to be okay and trust in God that he will be okay. And so, uh, so just want to highlight Zipporah there for a second as well. They meet up in, in Exodus chapter 18. They have a, a, a nice reunion. And then Moses begins to show Jethro, his father-in-law, all around. I mean, this is probably what we would do as, as guys. Hey, let me, let me show you how successful I've been and, 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 and what a good husband I'm going to be to your daughter or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I'm just kind of picturing it in a modern context of trying to show off and show your, your father-in-law that you're, you're a good provider and a, and a good leader and whatever Moses is. But he's showing Jethro around to, to the entire camp. And then Jethro notices that, uh, that in the morning time, Moses wakes up and people come to him and they have all of these complaints or these disputes and they're seeking the will of God. What is God, what is the answer? He, you know, what does the law say? What does God's law say about how we should handle this situation? If you have a quarrel with another person or if you have a, a, another issue going on. And... Jethro sees this happening. He kind of has a, a little bit of a concern. He recognizes that Moses is is taking care of these people and these problems and these issues from morning until until sunset. Sunrise to sunset, Moses is just handling these complaints. Jethro says to Moses, "You're going to burn out, man." That's a paraphrase, obviously. You're gonna, you're going to burn out. You need to. You need to learn how to delegate. And here's what I recommend that you do. So Jethro tells Moses to select some good, honest people, some good, honest men uh, who are willing to learn, teach them the laws. And if it's just like a little thing, um, let them judge. Let them judge. Let them give the direction to the people. Don't just do it all yourself. If there's a really big issue, then you can take that one on, but you need to sp spread the wealth and delegate 
or else you're just going to spend all your time trying to do these, uh, handle these disputes and you won't have time to do all the other things that God needs you to do. So in this case, you find Moses with a, someone who is kind of a mentor or a, a someone that's older than him to give him some guidance and direction and leadership. And in, in particular, this idea of delegation. So uh, we've now seen uh, Joshua, Aaron, Hur, Miriam, Zipporah, and Jethro helping Moses to accomplish his mission. We all need some sort of influence in our lives, and we need to have that supportive connection and team to help us live our life and to strengthen our own spiritual capacity. As we're seeking to build our own spiritual capacity, uh, that's a very personal and individual um, endeavor. And and yet, we will encounter people along the path, along our path, who will guide us, who will give us that little piece of advice like Jethro gave to Moses to, uh, to help us along, uh, along our way to be ready to, um, to engage. You know, God, if you're seeking the opportunity, uh, the great commander in the sky will always have something for us to do, someone that we can help. And in order to kind of receive those, those missions, we have to be in tune with uh, the Holy Spirit. We have to understand how God communicates to us. We have to understand how God has communicated to people in the past, and that's why we intensely study uh, the Scriptures. We, we have to be seeking for those opportunities as we're praying for opportunities to serve uh, to serve God, He will provide that for us as we, we purposefully pray and then we intensely study and we see those things. Then the mission will come and we need to immediately act. But God doesn't expect us to do this alone. Uh, he's going to provide us with, with assistance, whether that's his own, uh, his own direct assistance through the Holy Spirit by giving us uh, inspiration, ideas or thoughts or feelings to, uh, to act to go one direction or another, uh, which will lead us to the places he needs us to be, or as others seek the same guidance. You know, we might be the mission of somebody else. They're asked as they're purposely praying and as they're studying and as they're acting on the promptings God gives them to, to help others. Uh, you might be the person that, that is being helped. Uh, I'm sure that we can all think of mentors, loved ones, friends, who have helped us along the way. And I certainly could list uh, dozens and dozens of people in my life who have had that impact. So the action for this week, uh, as we prayed, studied, and as we're acting, the action for the week was to send a message of thanks to those loved ones, friends, or mentors, or whoever it is that have helped you to develop into and helped you to accomplish the things that God has wanted you to accomplish uh, and have helped uh, contribute to the successes that you've had in your life. As always, uh, you know, make sure to share that as long as you're, as, as, as you're sharing with others those things as you're completing that action, you're also telling your accountability partner, hey, I, this is what I did this week and sharing with them uh, that experience. 
in our next episode. Now that concludes uh, our look at the Special Operations Forces truths that uh, Special Operations Forces in the United States uh, military hold. Um, and so we, we looked at those and we've completed those. We've talked about the Army values as well. And so next week we're going to finish this season, if you will, or this segment of the Building Spiritual Capacity podcast. And uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, and the parable of the talents. We just want to identify as we go through this um, as we go through this chapter and this section, you know, what are our talents? What are the talents God has given us, and, and what are we doing with those talents? Are we uh, doing the right things with them? And then we'll just kind of put a little bow on this idea of building spiritual capacity and conclude next week with the, with the final episode, episode 20. So until next time, until that time, remember to trust God and do His will.